Animal Magnetism, exploring animal care for creatures great and small, conservation and preservation in today's world. Find out what a single voice can do to make a difference in the lives of animals. Animal Magnetism with Carolyn Hennessy starts right now on UBN Radio. Welcome, welcome, welcome once again. Good morning, Tony. How are you? I'm wonderful. Handsomest man in radio. Oh, Handsomest man in radio, and I'm so lucky to have him as my basically, you know, meg- meta producer, <laughs> my engineer. God bless. And now, uh, time to once again introduce my my true producer, Miss Andrea. How are you doing, Miss Andrea Compton, up there in Seattle? <laughs> to- in Seattle, I am doing fantastic. Are you Are you fantastic? I hope the weather is better up there than it is down here right now. I mean, talk about June gloom. We're about to have a June downpour here in Los Angeles. It's, it, feels, it feels like Christmas. It just does. Oh. Welcome, listeners, once again oh. to another episode of Animal Magnetism. I am your preservation and conservationist host, Carolyn Hennessy. We have a wonderful guest with us today. She has not been on before, but the organization that she represents has been represented here before, uh, Mike Veal and um, Global Conservation Welcome, Roxanne. Roxanne Losey. Hello. Thank you for having me on today. Uh, now, my listeners and those viewing this will not know this, but I'm just a few minutes late. But see, y'all can just download this anytime you want. So you can download this on the hour, every hour, if you'd like. But I'm just a few minutes late because my dogs, my dogs have somehow managed to uh, unlatch the back gate. I don't know how they're doing it, but I think Sophie is getting Sophie Tucker, the, the the poodle mix, is getting on her hind legs and somehow is managing to flip the latch. And so I walked out this morning because, and so that's why I'm a few minutes late, because three of them are running down the street. The new arrival, Spanky Jean, the yes, yeah, Spanky Jean, uh, is either dumb enough not. To know to get to go out with the rest of them, or smart enough to think, well, new mama is going to be upset <laughs> if I go out. So, but the other three couldn't care less, and I go running out in my bathrobe saying, "I've got to dry my hair," <laughs> and they are taken off down the street. So, that is so corralling them is uh, that was a, that was a feat this morning. So forgive forgive me, everyone, for being just just a shade late. Roxanne, welcome to the show. Uh, as I say, we had Mike Veal on from uh, Global Conservation Forest about a year ago, and we were, uh, he came on to talk about everything that you all do and also to tout the fundraiser. And it's been a year, so there's another fundraiser at the, I called it Blue Plate, but it's not. It's Pacific Plate. At Pacific yes, Plate, yeah. which is, and where is that going to be? Hello, where is that going to be? Pacific Plate in, I should have that, Pacific Plate in Glendale. I think it's on Brand Boulevard. Am I correct? Yes. Yes. So anyone within the sound of my voice, and that pretty much is basically the entire world, uh, get down to Pacific Plate. And Roxanne, when is that When is that fundraiser going to be? Oh, June, June so this, 21st. <laughs> yes, June 21st, which is uh, World Rhino Day, or excuse me, World Giraffe Day. Um, there's always World Days for all of our iconic endangered species and, and many more, but World Rhino, or World Giraffe Day, got rhinos on the brain, uh, June 21st, and Pacific Plate has been a wonderful collaborator with Global Conservation Force for the last 
three years. And so basically it's going to be a paint night. It's going to be artist-led. It's $35. It includes all of the supplies, uh, the painter's leadership, as well as your first pint of beer. Most importantly, your first pint of beer. Always. And I think it's going to be a, a very relaxed but um, fun, fun night and a little informative. I am going to speak just a little bit before we get painted a painting about the problem with even giraffes that people don't realize is going on. Right. Um, last year you had a silent auction. I think you may even may have even had a live auction. Um, will you have Will you have the auction items as well this year? I don't think we're going to be able to accommodate that this year. Unfortunately, uh, most of our home base really is in the San Diego, like Oceanside area. Right. That's where most of our board members live, and also where most of our uh, gear lives. Sure. <laughs> so I'm not sure we're going to be able to have it up. This is actually something that Pacific Plate uh, offered up to us sort of last minute, uh, which we're very grateful for. Um, 50% of the proceeds from the night will go to the Global Conservation Force. And, uh, but I don't know about merchandise. I think it's just going to be the paint, paint and drink. <laughs> paint and drink, or more importantly, drink and paint. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes, ex- yeah, absolutely. Well, it's a small space, but um, listeners, if you cannot make it, on June 21st, we are going to give the website where you can donate to Global Conservation Force. And and it, those links will also be up on the Animal Magnetism um, site. So if you can't, don't forget, you don't need to be there. You don't need to get lit <laughs> and paint in order to donate. And and this <laughs> this organization is doing some some amazing work and, and really needs your help. Roxanne, I'm just going to um, tell my listeners a little bit about you before we really, really dive into it. You are one of the founding directors of Global Conservation Force and the Equine Anti-Poaching Unit Coordinator, as well as an animal keeper at the, my favorite, the jewel, the main jewel in the crown of Los Angeles at the Los Angeles Zoo. And you are a lifetime equestrian, having grown up on a ranch, been spending many years in the horse racing industry as a professional jockey, exercise rider, and assistant trainer. You've been in, in the exotic animal care field for nearly 20 years and have had the pleasure to work with some of the Earth's most endangered species, including the greater one-horned, black, and Sumatran rhino. Um, you yourself don't, I guess, have an official web page, but the official website is globalconservationforce.org. Org. So listeners go there, and I'm sure that there are links to donate. So once again, thank you for being here. Um, what what animals do you work with at the zoo? I uh, I'm actually very fortunate. I, I work a different couple of different strings, but my main one is the tigers, which is tigers, snow leopards, mm. our amazing black bear, uh, as well as langur monkeys and ocelots, which we just had two kittens that have started uh, going out on exhibit in the last week. Fun to watch. You and I also work with some of the uh, South American primates uh, a couple days a week as well. Wow, you do cover a wide range. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm actually a hoofstock girl, which is funny that I wound up with big cats, but so you're, uh, you love them all the same. Right, you're right. So you started out with hoofstock. So that's, you're sort of like a Mike Bona girl. Uh, yeah, Mike and I are sort of strange counterparts yeah. of, uh, of our career in a lot of ways. I think that's why he chose me to be on his board, in fact. <laughs> Oh, well, he's, he's, he, he's one of our favorite people. Actually, anybody at the Los Angeles Zoo numbers among our favorite people here. Right, Andrea? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Andrea always has what I think is a really, really pertinent question, which since you've not been on the show before, we will ask you. Andrea, take it away. Right. So, so Roxanne, uh, looking back over your career and 
even back to your childhood, what was that one animal that you had this connection with that put you onto the path that you are on today? Well, it, it is it is, and probably always will be horses. Um, I, I do, rhinos are my favorite uh, animal of what, of what we would call the wild animals, but horses really shaped my whole uh, childhood and life and career in many ways. So that's partially why I took on this project is a way to sort of give back to all that the horses have given me throughout my life, um, personally and professionally. Um, but yeah, rhinos are a very close second for sure. Where was this ranch that you grew up on? I uh, grew up in the big big town of Tehachapi, California, oh. which is, uh, <laughs> yep, up between Bakersfield and Mojave. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, Middle of nowhere. There's the big loop, right? The, what they call, I guess, the Tehachapi Loop or the Tehachapi Grade or something like that, where the, the mountain is so steep that the train has to go up one side and let, and right, that, that's, that's where that is, right? And then kind of loop that, around. Yeah, that's, yep, the Tehachapi Loop. That's Tehachapi. apparently what we would be well known for. <laughs> What did you ranch on this ranch of yours? What did you? Uh, it was a cattle ranch uh, mainly. Yeah. Cattle. Um, and yeah, just grew up with horses. I don't remember when I started riding. That it's been that long ago. <laughs> G- tangentially speaking, I have been obviously uh, doing a lot of television watching because the television landscape is so astonishing these days. And oh, look, Tony, that's that's the Tehachapi Loop right there. There you go. Um, <laughs> So I've been doing a lot of binge-watching. And one of the shows that I've been binge-watching is called Godless with Michelle Dockery and Jeff Daniels. And it's all about the town of LaBelle in around 18, the, the 1880s. And there is a shot. Horses figure prominently in this. In this and just the majesty and the beauty of the horses. And there is, a, there is one particular scene where this, this herd of wild horses that have been that have been tamed in a very very gentle way are are led galloping into this town it's the most beautiful thing i've ever seen on television <laughs> ever in my life these these saddleless horses just free just racing into this town and you 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 sort of it's you're you're mindful of the fact of how much horses have well we wouldn't have western civilization without the horse we simply wouldn't and what what horses have been through and how, as far as I'm concerned, they should never be tamed. But that's just me. That's just me. Uh, but we would be nowhere without them. I think I'm, I think I'm correct in saying that. So um, let's talk about all the projects that Global Conservation Forced, Force is involved with at the moment. You listed, I, what, I think eight, six, <laughs> seven or eight, and I think when we had Mike Veal on, and Andrea, correct me if I'm wrong, we really only focused on on the plight of the rhinoceros, all all the different subspecies of, of rhinoceros. But my right, goodness, you have the, uh, grown in the last year, have you not? Oh, yeah, you know, yes. When you ask about our current projects, that it would per- perhaps take most of the entirety of your show. Seriously, uh, it's it's been a really um, crazy year, and is. As we've grown, well, actually, crazy two years in the most of, wonderful the, the way. places we've been. Yeah, well, we can. T- we're we're going to talk about elephants and pangolins and giraffes and African painted dogs, and you ne- and you're you're in you're in need of a snow leopard drone. So we could we'll t- and uh, we're, so but let's first talk about rhino protection 
and conservation in eight countries, including the equine anti-poaching units that you are training, you are leading. Are you doing that in the field with these individuals? Do they come here? Do you go there? Let's talk about all that. Uh, yes, it's, I've been very lucky. This so came about last year when Dr. William Folds was in town uh, speaking for us as a fundraiser. And he just happened to mention to Mike that they were trying to get this uh, horse unit up and running. And, of course, that was it for me. That's all I needed that's, to hear that's all you for needed. my project. <laughs> now, you, now, tell us, who, tell my listeners, who is Dr. William Folds? He's a, he's a South African veterinarian. He's a fairly well-known veterinarian, in fact. He was one of the um, first people to be able to save a rhino that had been poached, and they had mutilated her face. Her name is Tandy. And he was uh, he and the guy that now runs Saving the Survivors were actually able to save this animal's life. And she's now gone on to have two calves, which is really, really amazing. But he's a, he's a fantastic guy. He gives his whole everything to this, this fight of rhino conservation. And he's in the eastern cape of South Africa. Mm-hmm. And right now that's not being tremendously overrun by rhino poaching. Mm-hmm. But what he's trying to do is get ahead of them. So instead of waiting for them to show up, and then try to fight them off, he's fortifying to be ready for them because they are coming and they know it. So this, this is sort of uh, where this horse unit came about as well as all of their other protection units they have there at his reserve. So did you go there to train them? I, I have actually been there twice since October. <laughs> okay, wow. good. Lots of frequent flyer miles for you. Yes. My first trip was in October, and I have to throw in there, I got, got an, awarded a grant from the Los Angeles Zoo. It's called the Ornano Keeper Grant, uh, Advanced Keeper Studies. And they really sent me there to do this project, and it was fantastic to be able to do it for both organizations. And also, of course, it helped GCF by not having to pay my way for that trip. Of course. And I was there for about six weeks. Wow. And again, because... LA Zoo paid for my first trip, I was able to have enough vacation time and money to go back pretty immediately in May. I uh, actually got back just about a month ago. Wonderful. Yes. Wonderful. So how many, how many uh, individuals comprise the, the horse unit now? Well, the, the unit itself is about 10 guys strong as far as their anti-poaching unit. Mm-hmm. The horse unit is only started with two. And the reason we did that is it's pretty much a pilot project. When I got there in October... There, it was just sort of a, a brainchild, to be frank. It wasn't really anywhere just yet. Uh, I, we had a World Rhino Day fundraiser on September 22nd, two days before I left. Mm-hmm. And uh, once again, the zoo community and the LA community came out, and we raised $2,700 that night at mm-hmm. Viva Cantina just by the Equestrian sure. Center. I know it well. <laughs> yeah, it was fantastic. And, and uh, so I was able to, to arrive with my knowledge and my skill set, but I was also, more importantly, able to arrive with the funding which is what had obviously been keeping it from getting going. So it was a really intense time of like 40 days, got the rangers going, we picked out some horses to use, and these fellows really don't ride horses a whole lot in that area of South Africa, which is crazy. You think about Africa being this wild, you know, kind of free-for-all, right, like everybody you don't should think about <laughs> ride a horse. No, you don't, you don't think about horses. When you think about riding, you think about ri- a, a, a different type of animal. No, you just, you, I, when I think of horses, I don't think of Africa. When I think of Africa, I don't think of horses. Where did you exactly. where did you get these horses and and did you have to go through basic riding skills before you then ventured on? I mean, are there some specific anti poaching maneuvers that you taught them? Um, 
to answer your first question, there's a fellow by the name of Giles Gush. He is a landowner that is part of the conservancy there with Dr. Folds. Mm -hmm. And he has a safari trail horse where, you know, guests can come and ride on the non-dangerous side of the reserve, you know, to see giraffe and zebra and the like. And he lent us the horses, which was brilliant because they were already well adept to being able to, you know, fit in with the landscape, fit in with the animals, not be afraid of the giraffe or the ostrich or whatever. Uh, as far as the training of the rangers, yeah, they, they had very little riding skills when, when I got there. And so it was everything from, you know, picking up their feet to pick them out, proper grooming, proper saddling. And they were very dedicated, I have to say that, about these two young men that wanted to take this on. And they've really, again, having been there just a few months ago, in a six-month time of when I left, they they are really spot on. We've made several approaches and rides out onto the main reserve with Rhino. Mm -hmm. I have a wonderful video of Rhino about 20 meters from us on uh, on horseback. So it's come along really, really quickly, but in a, I would say, a safe manner. You know, we didn't just throw guys on a horse and go, hey, right. good luck to you. <laughs> well, I can, well, considering that you have been an, you've been an exercise rider, assistant trainer, I can imagine within the, in the horse racing field, I can imagine that, uh, that your techniques are pretty are, are also pretty spot on. I would like to think so at this yeah. at this stage in my life. <laughs> uh, well, yes, one what we would hope so. We would hope so. Now, and do they do they plan on uh, acquiring more horses and because I'm I'm assuming that horses can go places where vehicles can't and faster than humans can. Precisely. Yeah. That's that's one of the benefits to them for sure for especially like fence line patrols. There's two ways they patrol on foot and in vehicle and even in vehicles they can't just go off-roading you know they try to protect the ecology and they don't want to be driving all over everywhere so the horses have come in really nicely that way uh we do actually when i say they have two horses we actually have a four u horse unit um, and we do that so there's always kind of a spare if one horse you know maybe goes lame from sure. a, a stone bruise in its foot or something sure. um but it, this was really meant to be a pilot project for one year October to October to see if it was a really feasible addition to their unit. And I'm really happy to say, even it, even when I was just out, that would have been about the six-month mark there, mm -hmm. that conservancy is ready to move forward and take the reins, literally, of this project. And, and they want it. They want it. So I'm, I'm happy about that, that it didn't take the whole year for, to decide this is going to work. They, feeling, they already know it's useful. I have a feeling you're going back. To train, to train, to train <laughs> well, more equine, m equine, more of the equine anti-poaching unit. I will be. There, there's units. We've been contacted by several up in the KwaZulu Natal area. Uh, really, now that they know we're in that game, so to speak, I suppose that we've been contacted by several other units that would like to further their horse units or start horse units up. It's really incredible to be a part of. To be honest, so. Let's just. I'm just going to just sort of expand expand on this notion that the poachers are coming, for 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 a moment because we do hear a lot about the next generation in China, India, etc., that are not asc ascribing to the to the sort of outdated notions of rhinoceros horn being used for medicinal purposes, S but but there are still enough people. Of, of previous generations that want it. And so, so they're coming. 
it's 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 I mean we we can sit here and, and say well it's it's absolutely of no medicinal value whatsoever I mean and we know that but there are still enough people on this planet that ascribe to that outmoded thinking that these animals are obviously still in danger where is this where is this horn is it is it being sold primarily in Asia yes it's its main courses are of course uh, China. And Vietnam has actually taken a, a major player sort of role in the end game of where rhino horn is going now. Uh, the, the, Vietnamese, the Vietnamese situation is a little more dangerous because it's, it's more about a tro- having a trophy to show your wealth. So the medicinal aspect we can sort of control. We can, we're starting to get, you know, envire, as you said, the younger generation doesn't want to be part of that. Um, but unfortunately, this sort of look how wealthy I am, trophy is, is not good. <laughs> is, that, is that sort of a new factor that's, that's in this equation? Because I, I so in, in Vietnam, because I had, I had not heard that. Uh, and, and yeah. So that's, so, oh my gosh, just when you think you may be getting a, no, no pun intended, a handle on something, then this, this crops up, this idiocy crops up. Astonishing. Yeah, it's that is a it is a great challenge. There there is a lot of work being done in in uh, Vietnam and the Asian countries of you know demand reduction in all fronts. So that that is it is working to a degree. But again, as you said, there's there's so much out there, and there's so many people out there. You could you know you, even if you knock down ten people and convince them you don't need this anymore, it's there's whack-a-mole. another. It's, Ten thousand. It's it's conservation whack-a-mole. Right. You know, you hit you hit one, and you think they're all down, and you think you've kind of you think you've gotten the message out, and then suddenly another one pops up, and you just think, well, are, are, how stupid, how stupid do you have to be? All right. So there's that. So eight countries. Let's talk about the eight countries. Where is Global Conservation Force? What what are the, what are the countries that you're with regard to rhinos now? Let's see if I can get all eight of them. That's <laughs> we okay. have, we have uh, we've helped rangers in Kenya. Yep. Uh, Namibia. Several reserves in in South Africa, of course. Uh, Zambia. We've even given well, not rhinos, but we we have uh, helped the Mali for their forest elephants. And let me see where else have I? What have I missed? I feel like I've missed something. Oh, we're we are heading to Zimbabwe and Tanzania. Um, directly, probably by summertime. Wow. Astonishing, astonishing. Okay, elephant protection. You just named one of the countries. But uh, mm-hmm. in five countries, elephant protection and areas overlapped, uh, overlap, as you say, with, with rhino protection. Let's talk about the pangolin. Because I, I don't Let's. know, I think Mike, v- I, I know Mike Veal talked about, and sh- we, I think we yeah. had a picture of a pangolin up, uh, a photograph of a pangolin up. But pangolins are, t- let's, let's talk, what is a pangolin? For my listeners who don't know, the pangolins are really—they're <clears throat> called scaly anteaters. They're and they're beautiful. So they're in that same. They're in that same family of anteater. Right. And oh, and yeah, I'm sorry. Are. Yes, and they, and they are they are on in Africa, and they are also in Vietnam and uh, in other areas of Indonesia as well. And these are uh, poached for what reason? Well, once again, <laughs> they are after their scales for the very same reason they are after. Um, if you see a picture, if you pull up a, a, a picture of a pangolin, they're the craziest looking, they're tiny, weird yeah. dragon things. Yeah. 
<laughs> with these interlocking <laughs> so that, scales. Those are all scales. Yeah. That they have, and so what they do is they want those scales. They use them for medicinal reason. Uh, I I feel like I've just recently read that people eat it some in some form, which is kind of horrifying to me. Eat it? It's the they... same thing. It's keratin, just like a rhino horn. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. I just every once in a while I just have to stop and shake my head. Um, and they're yeah. and they're loving creatures, and they're beautiful, and they're sort of slow moving, and wouldn't wouldn't harm a fly, and, and they sort of roll up into these balls um, to try and to try and protect themselves. But you've now gotten into African painted dogs as well. These are things that I don't think Andrea, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think Mike Veal uh, touched on these. These are are these these are new. The pangolin is not new, but African painted dog and snow leopards. Uh, I believe these are new species that you guys are trying to uh, help help preserve. That it's it's correct, and going with our whole you know global conservation force uh, theme, <laughs> hence the global. Um, we do reach out, and a lot of other organizations have reached out. As far as snow leopards, it's Dr. Rodney Jackson who you know he is he is king snow leopard. He's the one that has done all of the camera trapping, the early stages of uh, you know being able to see these snow leopards in their wild habitat. And because we have a, a lot of drones flying in the African countries for surveillance and the like, uh, Mike had met with him, and we've decided to help them build this sort of specialized drone that will be able to fly in the, in the high altitude and so it doesn't fall out of the sky. They'll be able to have cameras on it, infrared, you name it. It's going to be sort of all the bells and whistles of drone. And uh, the, the goal is really to be able to instead of putting a camera trap, you know, and waiting for the snow leopard to come to use to be able to track, see why they're coming down. They're starting to come down from their higher altitudes and have a lot of conflict with farmers, you know, sheep farmers, goat farmers. Uh, and so they're being killed for that reason. And the nice thing, too, is that they'll be able to also track why, why is it because their, their natural food source is coming down to a lower level out of the mountains as well. So that's a really interesting project. We're really excited about it. We've had a bit of trouble getting the drone built. But uh, now we've, we've got it figured out. Everybody kind of kept telling us they could build it and then really couldn't. But it's, it's well on the way. I do expect to see that um, moving forward very soon, probably at least by the end of the year. So we don't know. So these drones are obviously then to fly up and into those higher altitudes without crashing to the earth uh, and, and discover why these leopards are coming down into places where they, where they aren't historically normally are. Exactly. Um, fascinating. Fascinating. When, and, when, and, and you think that, that, that this program will be up and running by the end of the year? Yes, we had, we'd set a date of our first quarter of this year, but again, with all of the unfortunate troubles we'd had with the drone builders, it just kept putting us back and putting us back. Um, but now we've uh, really, I'm not a drone person, I think it's called DGI, they're like the biggest drone company, and their technology has come forth as well. So they, they are totally on board. Is that in the United States or is that uh, elsewhere? Uh, you know, I, I think it's United States. I'm not a drone person at all. <laughs> uh, any, anybody sitting out there right now is like, oh, of course it's the United States that knows drones. But um, well, I, I'm just, yeah, we're very glad July. it's finally, <laughs> finally going. They're going to test fly it in, uh, excuse me, in Colorado with the um, Rocky, uh, Rocky Mountain Cat Conservancy. And, you know, to make sure it's not going to sure. crash to sure, 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 oblivion. Sure. <laughs> To, 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 go, to go crashing to the earth. Now, Mike, um, oh, look, at, look, Tony has a picture up of all these, of all these pangolins curled up 
Are these little baby pangolins? Those are little baby pangolins. Oh, viewers, what a treat you have in store for you. Um, Mike yeah, but they're easy targets. They're such easy targets. Well, That's yes, the yeah, unfortunate thing yeah, for them. Yeah. Uh, poachers are cowards, basically, and the people who want uh, anything that is poached are basically cowards at heart, evil cowards at heart. So, you know, of course, of course, go for, go for you know, low-hanging fruit when you can. Uh, or slow exactly. moving, or slow moving pangolins. Mike uh, leads tours. I believe uh, uh, people who fr from here, from the United States, basically, I think uh, all, all along sort of the, the Western Seaboard. Mike leads tours. Do you also participate in these tours of people who want to go and help with a project, help the poachers, help build perimeter fences, etc.? Um, and he's still doing that, correct? Uh, as far as taking people along, I believe so. My, Andrea did, didn't didn't was it, didn't we have Mike on to talk about the, some of the some of the courses? And I know people come here and get training here, but I also believe that Mike was taking people with him into the wild, like field trips. Yeah. Oh, I, yes. I, I'm sorry. Yes, I'm, I know what you're talking about now. <laughs> yeah, it is a pro, it's a project we had started to set up to have people be able to volunteer. Um, you know, pay their way, basically, sure, sure. and go be part of this. I, I really don't believe we've been able to get that off the act ground? on that, hmm. get that off the ground. Exactly. Uh, it's just, you know, Carolyn, honestly, we've had so many, we have so many great ideas and so many things rolling. And then, you know, out of left field comes like, you know, hey, can you come to Uzbekistan so you can show us how to protect our saiga antelope? And, you know, off Mike goes to Uzbekistan. I don't know if he spoke to you before or after that. I think go, he was. I helped think him he... with anti-poaching for saiga. Uh, Andrea, was that before or after? I think it was, was before. I think it was I before. Think I think he was heading that. there. Yes. I think he was heading there. I, 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 we couldn't yes. but I, but I, but I think he was. Well, obviously, I mean, GCF is growing by leaps and bounds just in the in the projects that you've taken on i mean i think you've tripled the projects that M mike and andrea and i talked about a year ago and so that so you're you're becoming major major players but is mike still doing the training here because i think people work 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 he's he goes but i think also individuals come here and he's got a whole sort of anti anti-poaching course that he leads people through is that correct that is correct. We haven't had one for quite some time now that you just mentioned that. Uh, I'm not, I keep thinking we haven't spoken about having another one. Um, and that's probably once again, <laughs> just because we are, we are all sort of you running, chasing our tails spread, a bit with the, the project thin. at hand. But yes. Yeah. Yes. We where, do offer that. People... And yeah, that's a really good question. You're, now you're going to make me get on the phone with Mike and say, hey, Mike, Sounds Let's, like we need to have another training course. Uh, absolutely, and also I, I I would also imagine it is a question of finances. And if but if but if one individual from sort of you know every you know red red hot site you know in Africa et cetera et cetera, if they ponied up the money to get one of them here, then they, then that individual could take it all back and be sort of the trainer there and 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 be, and be the leader training at that point, right? Well, uh, okay, I'll tell you, I will tell you, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, one of the things that we've also started doing, I know since you've um, last spoken with Mike, is we do have two trainers that go several times a year to many of these various countries, and they are do giving advanced training. Uh, our our wow. director, Marty Kimball, wow. he actually is a Krav Maga instructor, so he goes over and is teaching these guys 
really the hands-on, you know, if, if it's not a gunfight, if you accidentally wind up in a knife fight with one of these guys or something, he's teaching them advanced skill set on that. We also have this uh, wonderful fella that Mike, they just kind of ran into each other. His name is Chris Larson, and he is Australian. And he goes over on our behalf, and he's a field medic. He's field medic trained, certified, and he's teaching these fellas, uh, basically, if you are to be injured out in the field, how you can save your life, offering them first aid kits, really highly specialized kits. Wow. And that's something we have just started doing, and uh, we have done, I believe, about 160 individual rangers in all of those varying countries with those, just those two guys. And if we, if we had a gaggle of trainers that we could send on our behalf, I really think we wow. could reach so many more people. We have, a, we have a waiting list probably two pages long for these units that would like the specialized training that we offer. And we do offer it for free, uh, which, you know, I think is a very unique quality of GCF is we, at our own expense, are going to train these guys. So um, that is something that we're kind of different from a lot of NPOs being able to go over and offer, have the skill set to offer these uh, fellows and, and women. They've been to the, uh, the Black Mambas. They've helped them. They've helped many, many. And it's pretty, really, it does make sense what they're doing this year now. They're leaving again in August. They are going to get sort of units that, and they're like their top guy, like their commanding unit and teach them so then they can start dispersing it to their own instead of us trying to go to every single individual. The trickle-down effect, uh, of course. Of course. Exactly. Two questions. Where yes. do you get the majority of your funding? Are you given grants? Are you, do you have major corporate sponsorship, or is, it, or is it donations? That's question number one. Question number two is, where do you, where do you get? You say you've got, a, you've, got, you've got people going over to train, you know, the, the, to train the trainers. And to, tra and to train the poachers, where do you find those people? So let's let's deal with question number one first. Let's talk about funding. Okay, the the funding has be always been for us mainly these events that we have, and we have several throughout the year. Those have always been our meat and potatoes for since our inception. You know, we were very small, obviously, when we started, and that's we would just do as many as we could and, and raise two thousand, three thousand, four thousand, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit at a time. We have since. We've had a couple of very generous, larger donations, uh, you know, in the, like $20,000 range from sure. individuals. Um, we actually had an a anonymous donation after Mike had spoken at, um, in D.C. for the, the uh, summit, ba basically, on conservation. And that was uh, like about 25000 which was lovely. But we don't have a really big heavy hitter, heavy player. We don't have any corporate, with the exception of some of our you know, smaller businesses that have been helping us out. Uh, those are where most of our foreign funds come from. We have dipped into the grants just a bit. In fact, I, I love my Glaza, the Greater Los Angeles Zoo Association. We love our Yeah, they just awarded us. I had written a grant um, for my horse unit, and they did award us that uh, grant. So we're pretty excited to be part of that and just to have L.A. As Zoo if, starting to, as to support this. doesn't have enough fully. to do. As if Glaza doesn't have enough to do with trying to keep Billy, the bull elephant, where he is. Exactly. Right? As if Glaza just doesn't have enough to do. That's that wonderful. 
Wonderful. Yeah. Um, my so we are getting is... into that field a little better of getting grants written for us. and Because we're, we're growing so quickly. Well, yes, we've had some nice donations for the, the scope of projects that we are doing. And I, I know we'll get into the Operation Java in a bit. Um, we... Yeah, we, you know, you always need more funding if you're going to grow like we are. Yeah, we, and we are going to get into Operation Java in, a, in, a, in, in a, the, um, the Ujong Kolun National Park and the Indonesian government. Um, my thought, just sort of off the top of my head, is that you need a airline sponsorship. You need, yeah, exactly. you need right. international right. airline sponsorship because it's the, the – I mean, get you know, getting there is probably – I might – venture to say, the greatest expense. Because once you're there, they can kind of take care of you, they can house you, they can, they, et cetera, et cetera, they can pick you up, it's, but it's getting there. And an airline sponsorship, and a, and a partnership with an airline is crucial. That is just, that's critical. And you're you, and you absolutely need, right. And you need a grant writer. You need someone who is willing to come on and volunteer uh, as, as, as sort of an in-house grant writer. All right, those two things, listeners. Those two things. We need, we need to work on those two things. That's number one. I love it. Okay. <laughs> um, now, finding the individuals to train. Where do, you, where do you get your volunteers, the ones that will go, that have the Krav Maga training or that have the, like you, the equine training? That ha- that where, where do you find the individuals who will, the, the, the medics? Where do you find them? And how can, how can we get more of them to you? So far, it has been happy happy circumstance, to be honest. Uh, again, Marty, who was part of our organization from the start, he was a founding board member as well. Um, he, he was just, he's that guy. Uh, this Chris Larson, I, Mike actually met in the field over in Africa, and they just got to talking, and, the, and that was that. Now he's one of our guys. And so far, those are our two big ones. Uh, we do, we don't really have like a you know, be a volunteer with GCF just yet. <laughs> well, why not? You know, not? like a page or where, you know, if you were to go to our website and it's like, how can you volunteer? That said, we do have people send us cover letters frequently uh, and resumes, and we'd like to help out and here are my skill set and let me know. So people are finally starting to find us and, you know, give us that kind of skill set. But, you know, Carolyn, we, we also, as an organization, because we have grown so much, we now are starting to have to be almost like a bit careful as well. Of course. Because they're representing us. Sure. So we... Sure, sure, sure. We're being very careful as well. I, I will admit that. We're not just, you know, anybody that's all, hey, I want to go to Africa. I'll help you. No, I mean, no, who no. doesn't want to go to Africa? I mean, everybody no, no. wants to go work with horses in Africa. Believe me, I get requests all the time. <laughs> I do. Andrea? <laughs> all right. See, there you go. You're right. Andrea, um, Andrea and I will both so go. That's um, another, we just have, we've grown so big, so quick, and in regard to the volunteer aspect, we are just starting to catch up, and, um, did you but we say have a lot of nice you, volunteers down in San Diego that are... Right. Did you are, say you do or you don't have a page on the, hang on, Global Conservation Force, one word, globalconservationforce.org website, you do or you don't have a page where people can sign up to volunteer? You don't. Last I saw, I... Don't think it is up. Well, it's interesting because because that that might be you, you know okay. You so you also need 
someone to kind of go in and revamp the website. So we need an IT web designer to, to, to volunteer. Oh, we services. actually, we have a wonderful, yeah. she's just come on board. We have yeah. a great volunteer that has come on board. So that one we're actually good with. Although I will say she could probably use some help. <laughs> of course, of course. But, but, uh, but uh, you know, in terms of sifting through these letters, sifting through, you know, going, going page by page on, a, on, a, on your website and, and an, extraordinary, an extreme questionnaire with, I mean, major, major background checks and things like that. That might, that might be something to consider in all the spare time that I know you all have. <laughs> right? Okay. Exactly. Be- let, before, before we sign off, let's, uh, finally, let's talk about the exciting new endeavor working with the Indonesian government slash Ujong Kolun National Park to protect the last... 67 Javan rhinos. And this is going to be GCF's biggest project to date. Wow, 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 wow. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about some of the details of that. How did you get in how, how did GCF get involved with that? Were you were you approached by the government? Did you approach them? What are the details? What's going on? Well, Mike, at the same time I was in Africa, Mike was over in uh, Indonesia. At, uh, he went to Ujong Cologne. He went to the uh, Sumatran uh, Wildlife Sanctuary there, the Sumatran Sanctuary. And basically, he once again, we have requests all the time coming for, can you help us like pinpoint how we can make our anti-poaching better or we're struggling with this aspect. And so Mike was, uh, through a third party, I believe, wound up going over there to walk into the jungles with their anti-poaching units uh, for the Javan rhinos mm-hmm. and being able to give them some pointers on this is, this is a problem you need to try to, you know, let's, let's tighten up there. Let's tighten up there. There's a lot of illegal fishing that goes on like fish camps uh, along the outer edges um, of Java. And those are, you know, that's, <laughs> it's like, it's everywhere is a port of entry basically. Sure. Of course. So that was what his original goal was to go check it out, see if he could help them. And during his time there, the Department of Forestry and uh, several of the Indonesian government bodies uh, really wanted GCF to come on board to get in endeavor into this project. It's going to be at least a two-year project of really fortifying that area. It's going to include a lot of various things. It's going to include uh, protection for the rhinos, obviously, uh, getting community members hired to be part of the, the patrols. It's also going to in, involve actually buying some boats, three large boats. Um, they'll be able to do wildlife trafficking, interception monitoring. And it's not only going to be just about the rhinos. If you're starting to do that kind of protection, you're going to be protecting the reef. You're going to be protecting the otters. There's leopard in the area, uh, dugongs, hornbills. There's all kinds of javan gibbons, which are really critically endangered. So it's a big project. It's going to involve also mainly, too, taking out invasive palms. So there's a lot of palm. Take a, a lot and of the palm problem- trees. Okay, let's, okay. In- interesting. So taking yes. out invasive palms. Mm-hmm. So that's not really where that grows. <laughs> you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's like more jungly, jungly. So you know where we have the, uh, it's the same thing. It's. All the whole, you know, the palm oil and all of that. Exactly. But that's not what's going on here. This is completely invasive. So, so you want to take re- it out? Yes, we want to take out the invasive palm because it is choking back the natural habitat and what a lot of the Javan rhinos will eat, and it's choking it out. And it's also starting to make that population a bit fractured. 
you know, the males and the females are separate, and now we've got all this invasive palm, and they're, they're fracturing. So one of the goals with that is to, in fact, get some people there. And that's where a volunteer program may actually come in very handy. Is well, and you, I know we've been speaking yes, about that. Is yes, but if you getting talk, people over there, yes, to be well, able to start removing this stuff, then the jungle's going to come back, and the rhino will have more places. There's also the uh, the Javan Bantang lives there, which is kind of a big cow, <laughs> right? And they're in the way, and they're sort of overrunning. So they <laughs> those need to be not removed, and I don't mean that in a in a in a I bad know, way. They yeah. need to be moved out of that particular habitat. You know, it's interesting, and I. Th- because we've had Baruta Mary Galdikas, Dr. Dr. Galdikas, on and talking about the uh, in the the orangutans that are just being summarily yes. slaughtered for because of the palm oil plantation encroachment. It's like we got to get you together with Dr. Galdikas, who can then connect you with someone who can come over and harvest this palm oil, but in a safe and uh, in in a safe way because it's just it's basically a crop there for the taking. If you do it, if you do it correctly, do you know what I mean? Yes. It's that's and and yeah yeah you can get volunteers, but I'll bet somebody would come over and do it, and do it free of charge, and and in order to sell to sell this to sell these to sell these this these palms and this palm oil, um, it could it could be a, taking something that is an evil, in 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 another area of the world this this complete deforestation and, and uh, with uh, from these palm oil plantations and turning it into a positive uh, it that's and that's that's a that's a real leap on 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 my part you know what i mean thinking that everyone's going to play nice but you know, you <laughs> never you never you think okay well palm oils they're scarce over here but but they're encroaching here it's this this it's it's an astonishing planet the one the one that we live on um yes um, so would you, so just circling back a little bit, would, would you say, from the, to the best of your knowledge, that the majority of the funds that you raise go for airfare? Uh, well, boy, a large I wouldn't chunk. Say, I'm not sure about that. Let me just tell you one thing, Carolyn, before I go there. And this is where a lot of, it, yes, airfare is a lot. Yeah. But let me tell you what we did yesterday. Okay. Just yesterday. Mm-hmm. We sent $1,200 to the Saiga antelope. At this time of year, the babies are being born, Mm -hmm. and they're starting to run the herd. They run the herds to death, basically. Mm -hmm. They chase them until they drop, and they're after the males' horns, only the males. The problem at this time of year is they've run out of their fuel budget. So literally, these anti-poaching units have to watch them chase their Saiga down and watch them because they can't chase them. They have no gas. So we've just sent, sent them $1,200 to get them through this period gotcha. so they have a fuel budget. Right. We also gave $500 to an organization around the, the Kruger National Park called uh, Nourish. Mm-hmm. And so they will be, for the kids, to mm-hmm. be able to go see their natural wildlife around them. Mm-hmm. We also mm-hmm. sent $500 to cover uh, Save Vietnam's Wildlife, took in 74 confiscated pe- pangolin alive that they need to care for sort of in an emergency situation. We just sent some money for them to get things up and running for their very first week to make sure that these wild uh, pangolin are cared for properly so they can be returned to the wild. On top of that, we also sent $1,000 to Zooland Rhino Orphanage that one of our generous donors wanted to help out with, and that'll cover about two and a half months of care and milk and bottles for these orphaned rhinos. That was yesterday. 
That was just yesterday. And here yeah. I am, because, I mean, you talk about you going, Mike is, Mike is, Mike is globetrotting, and, and, and yes. we need to send about 45 more people. You need, we need to vet exactly. about yeah. 45 so more people is a problem. and send I'm not going out. to lie about that. Yeah, I'm, but, I'm, um, <laughs> it, you're becoming a, a, truly a major player in the, in the conservation world, and, that's, and, it's, and it's lovely to see. We're going to have to we're going to have to wrap it up. Uh, listeners, once again, globalconservationforce.org. That's the website where you can donate. Facebook page, www.facebook.com slash rhinos and then capital GCF backslash. Um, so go there. Learn more about them. Go to both of these places. Donate, 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 donate. I have now I'm now on a mission um, to get you all a um, an airline sponsorship. That's my mission. That's my little way. Of I life. love it. That's my. I love it. That's my little way of of, of, of contributing. So we're gonna see. We're gonna see what we can do because maybe I know some people. And maybe I don't. But maybe I do. That's that's that. Uh, Roxanne, thank you so much for educating us on so many different levels today. I truly, truly appreciate it. Will you come back? Will you and Mike come back together? Because oh, that'd I mean, be wonderful. If yeah. If you're in the same country at the same time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We'll, we'll work yeah, on that. Exactly. And I will see you at the zoo. Fantastic. And uh, we'll see if we, we can't get Andrea down for the next Beastly Ball, because the last one was, was just incredible. Thank you again. Um, so please come back and educate us further. Again, uh, listeners, Roxanne Losey, uh, Global Conservation Force and the Los Angeles Zoo. So go and visit her. Go and ask for her by name. Say, where's Roxanne? I want to I wanna, I wanna say hi to Roxanne. And the GCF, I'll be happy to say hi. The GCF fundraiser. If you can't go this, this June 21st, which is next Thursday, this coming at the Pacific Plate on, in Glendale on Brand Boulevard, look it up. Uh, if you can't go to the GCF fundraiser, donate, 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 and then donate some more. Okay, but go and uh, have a pint and paint a picture. Um, <laughs> Thank you again, Roxanne. Uh, we will talk to you again very, very, very soon. Andrea, you know how much I adore you, right? I know how I much know. I adore you, you, too. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Um, let's go to Africa. Let's, go, let's follow Mike and Roxanne to Africa. Let's go ride horses, okay? All right. All right, all right, we'll just do that. Um, thank you, my darling, for, all, for everything you do. Thanks once again to our guest, Roxanne Losey, for being here. Thanks again to the handsomest man. In radio, Doctor, I got just Doctor Tony Sweet. I'm just gonna call you Doctor, because you, you know, you're because you're handsome to that degree. Get it, Doctor uh, Degree. Uh. I am your preservationist and conservationist host. You've been listening to Animal Magnetism. I'm Carolyn Hennessy, and remember, in everything you do, every action that you take, always attempt to cultivate the preservationist heart. It will, it will take you a long, 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 long way, listeners. Hope you've enjoyed this. We'll see you again in two weeks. Bye-bye.